about to win so big. Tell my hydraulic money. Yeah. Money coming in. Tell me what's the program? 25 days of cushion. Yeah, get with the program. Show they want their way. Get the program. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is, and you know who your boy is. It's your boy, Dan. I'm in the build today, Tales from the Terror Dome. I have another special guest with me this week. Man, everybody knows this man. He's the godfather of breaking bread, hokey style. He is a utility man on the recruiting trail. This man probably got more sky miles and hotel points than anybody in the country. He is a workhorse for us. He coaches linebackers. He coaches the nickel position. His name is Sean Quinn. He's in the building. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great, brother. I'm excited to be on Tales from the Terror Dome. I've been waiting for this pumped uh, highlight of my week, man. Just excited to be here. And uh, like a Johnny Cash song, I've been everywhere, man. So it's been good. And uh, it's been a whirlwind of a first year and a half. And excited to be in camp here as we get ready for the season. Just really excited about our group of guys and excited to talk to you and talk football, food, fun, whatever, you name it. Let's rock and roll. <laughs> what would you what would you say uh, is your biggest um, factor and your optimism for this year that might have been missing going into last year? Uh, I would say this. We just got a lot of guys on this football team that uh, identify with what we're about, about being, you know, I always talk about the three E's energy, effort, and enthusiasm. And guys, we've been in their homes. We just, a large percentage of this team now is guys that we've recruited and we've had a pretty good turnover in the roster and, and really in a good way. Um, and we've been able to add some quality players and some talent and uh, just knowing our guys better. It's like being in a band and knowing what notes guys hit better and uh, adapting. I think as a coach, one of the most important things you can do is you have a system, you have a way of doing things, but you also have to adapt to your players and what their strengths are and that's our job as coaches to figure out what notes they hit well, what riffs they can play using a music terminology, but uh, figuring out the strengths and weaknesses, not only of our team, the league, just all those things. And just a year into it, man, there's just a, a familiarity uh, with what we're teaching and what the kids are learning and just understanding our players. And, you know, a lot more of these guys have been in their homes and know kind of their background and what makes them tick than maybe, you know, a, a group a year ago, but uh, just been building on it and the guys have worked really hard. So, the mojo's really good. It's different in a good way. Um, you know, I think we're faster and bigger, which is always good things and, you know, more athletic. But, uh, you know, that's all great for preseason, pro, uh, you know, predictions. But uh, we still got to go out and play. And uh, But I'm excited the work we've done and where we're at this point. That's awesome to hear, man. Uh, I think people might forget, but you were Brent Pry's first hire. At Virginia Tech, I think that's awesome. Uh, I was just reading back through. Uh, that was uh, when he called me and offered the job. I tell you what, it was one of the thrills of my life. Um, it was funny, you know. We had just finished our season. I was a head coach at another school, and Brent and I had worked together several times and been trying to get back together like a band. And uh, he called me a week or two before the whole thing happened. He goes, "I'm one of three. Then he'd send me a cryptic text, one of two. Then he called me one night and said they want to meet Amy. And I was like, oh, you're getting serious. So uh, 
really a cool to be here with Brent. Um, you know, Bud was a big mentor to, to Coach Pry, and but uh, you know he was to me too. And I visited with Bud here a number of times. And Brent and I came here as young Division One assistants in 2002 to visit with him and get some defensive ideas. And remember talking about how neat it would be to have the opportunity to coach here. And here we are, 20 years later, doing it. So uh, it's been a crazy journey to get to that point. But nobody I'd rather do it with than, than BP's good friend, uh, a mentor, a confidant, and uh, so. That call was pretty cool. I did, might have done some streak in, might have done some, got hit a couple of local establishments after midnight uh, celebrating, but uh, always wanted to be here as a defensive coach. This place is the creme de la creme and, you know, what Bud established here defensively, the Dalai Lama of defense, as I call it. Um, you know, he's up there with the Buddy Ryans and Irk Russells of, of football um, just to be here and coaching on defense and be at such a great place, meet folks like you and what an awesome opportunity is pinch myself every day I'm here man I, I appreciate the compliment uh yeah you've had a heck of a run man I mean you you've been with you know Jeff Munkin Les Miles Philip Fulmer Tennessee legend Ricky Bustle Virginia Tech uh <laughs> offensive coordinator uh what would you say stands out you learned a lot from them, obviously, I'm sure. But what have you learned from Coach Pry that sets him apart from your previous uh, destinations? Well, I'll, I'll say this. I've been fortunate to work with some great head coaches, some of the best coaches in the history of college football. Philip Fulmer was an unbelievable CEO, a tremendous recruiter. He could walk in a room with 30 people in about a minute, tell you who was making the decision and and how to recruit the kid. Coach Fulmer, uh, Coach. Miles was eternally optimistic. Coach Munkin with his the run game, the toughness and defense. But from Brent is just the energy, the enthusiasm, um, the, cl the clarity of message. I mean, he's consistent as all consistent can be. I mean, he's very upfront, transparent with everybody about what we're doing, how we're doing it. Um, there's not gray with Brent. You understand where you stand, which I've always appreciated. And, you know, he doesn't want a bunch of yes guys. He's always appreciated my opinion, whether or not it was right or wrong, but uh, he would always listen. And uh, funny thing is I got, as soon as I got my first defensive coordinator job, I called him and said, I owe you an apology. All those great ideas that I had now that I'm sitting in that chair, I don't know if I was as smart as I thought I was. And then when I became a head coach, I called all the head coaches I worked for and said, man, I, I, it's a lot harder when you're sitting in that chair. But uh, to, to answer the question, just the day-to-day -day, a positive energy. Um, I just seen him rally the, this, this team and the staff and people, you know, just, he's got a Pied Piper quality about him. That's been that way ever since I've known him. Um, but just this consistency of his message. And I think, you know, we've had some tough moments here and he's not wavered. He's not panicked. Um, he's stayed the course and I can see the, some fruits of that already. I think we all do, but I also think the players, saw there was no panic in him and and I appreciate that consistency the day-to-day -day, the message and you know he's always on you know though I, I gave him two pieces of advice when he became the head coach I said two things your to-do list will never get smaller it'll get bigger and then you're the thermostat in the room you set the temperature and that's something I had to learn you know becoming a head coach myself and Brent's done an awesome job of that but you set the daily temperature of the room you're the thermostat of the entire organization and uh, which is really neat. And he does an awesome job of that. And man, I couldn't be prouder or happier to work with him, work alongside him. I mean, it's a blast every day and a lot of work and it's a lot of hours, but it's a blast. And, you know, he makes it fun. And, uh, you know, I told him 
he's doing a hell of a job. He's done a great job. I would agree. You, uh, yeah, you were the head coach of Savannah State, home of Shannon Sharp. I'm a big Broncos fan, so, you know, I love Shannon. He was my favorite player. He's why I played football, to be honest. Uh, but how would you say you went into that situation and related to those kids? And you had a lot of success. Like, your head coaching record is pretty amazing, man. Well, I, I just, you know, fortunate, right place, right time. And it, the mojo, as I like to call it, had been bad for a long time there. I got a belief when the good Lord gets involved, things tend to work in the right direction. And, uh, you know, just been in a bad place for 25, 27 years, whatever it was. And, you know, had the opportunity to come in there and just said, hey, guys, listen, we're going to win. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to make this positive and fun. It had been on a negative, kind of a, a downward spiral negative. And we just made everything overly positive, tried to go out and recruit kids that lo love football and, you know, just schematically would be solid. And, you know, we ran the triple option out of the gun, uh, a version of what Nevada ran with Kaepernick. And, and just, you know, we had, I was fortunate, had some really, really good young coaches that are a bunch of them are in Division One now coaching all over the country and uh, was at the right time, right place. And, you know, just kind of poured into those guys and do it like we're doing here. And um, we, we had a lot of success. It was a ton of fun. And, you know, for those guys to have the first winning season in 20, 25 years, I believe, man, that was really rewarding. And, Man, there's some stories, brother. There's some, there's lack of funding and just not, you know, not a lot of support and just those kids, what they overcame to, to even get to practice some days was amazing. So I got a lot of respect for the, the kids that I coach there. And, you know, I take a piece of them with me when I work here. And a lot of those guys won't get the opportunity to play at this level or coaches coach at this level. And so I, I coach for those guys too, just, you know, grateful for the opportunity, but it was a, a humbling experience, you know, having coached at some SEC schools and Sunbelt and been at some other good places to go to a place that was really probably the worst program in college football and us have success, man. I give all the credit to the kids and the coaches and there's some great lessons, um, a lot of fun. And uh, I won't say I didn't try to run up the score on a few guys that thought we weren't going to be very good. We were picked last 14th to 14th and won the league in our first year. So we had some fun with that. And, uh, you know, you can use that as good motivation as a coach. So it was a lot of fun and I uh, wouldn't have traded the experience for anything, but I'm, I'm glad to be a Hokie now. Absolutely, man. Now, bulletin board material is a necessity. Like, you, you need something to be pissed at. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, chip on the shoulder is definitely a thing that needs to happen. Dan, I, I'll tell you a quick story. We didn't have uh, – they had media day there and they didn't give us a table like the rest of the teams and picked us to be last. So needless to say, I didn't get any Christmas cards from most of the coaches in that uh, league. When we had the opportunity to score points, we did. We often left the ones in at the end of the game just to prove a point. So uh, it was fun, but uh, it was a little bit of a revenge tour. Uh, the players and myself included, but uh, a lot of fun and uh, some cool memories, but uh, excited about this fall. No, man, absolutely. And speaking of places that you're from, you're from my favorite city in the world, Chicago, Illinois. We, Chicago. Both, yeah, yeah, we both fly the W, my friend. I'm a massive Cubs fan. Uh, I love old styles, you know, and baseball. I'm not drinking Malort. <laughs> you can keep that. But, uh, yeah, no, I understand your love for food makes sense because Chicago is an amazing food city. Oh, it is. It is. And it's funny because when you're from Chicago, you greet every other Chicago when you meet on the road. And first two questions you ask is, 
Cubs or Sox. If you're a Cubs fan, I'll keep talking to you. If you're Sox, I'll quit talking to you because I'm a huge Cubs fan myself. Second question is, where's your favorite pizza joint? It'll be Lou Manati's, Gino's East, Giordano's, Salerno's on the Fox, whatever it is. That'll tell you all you need to know about that fellow Chicagoan are those two questions right there. So uh, it's a neat city with great food. Um, all joking aside, I am a diehard Cub fan. And uh, when when they won, that was a big deal and grew up with Harry Carey and uh, that whole era. I've been fortunate, you know, living in Chicago. I was there during the Bulls run. I was there when the Bears were phenomenal and had the opportunity, obviously the Cubs with uh, Joe Madden being the manager. Who I, of those guys have had in Chicago, it's kind of ironic. All those championship teams had a coach with a huge personality, whether it be Ditka, whether it be Phil Jackson, or that be Joe Madden, and they just kind of fit, um, you know, the the city. And then also big Blackhawks fans. So I've been at some games and saw some melees. So well, old Chicago Stadium, man, that place used to rock. A lot, a lot of fun experience and foods out of this world. Um, you know, go to first thing you get off the plane, Dan, you got to go right to Portillo's, get you a beef with a sausage, double dipped, and rock and roll, and then it's a great trip from there on on. Okay, so you're a double dipped on the Italian beef. Oh yeah, and then I and okay. then I go to Chicago Dog on the side, or or, or I'll go down to um, to the Billy Goat Tavern and get me a, a cheeseburger, get me a double cheeseburger. You know how you know Saturday Night Live crew there. So yeah, um, yeah. So great city, <laughs> really. Just uh, man, you know, I grew up Jim McMahon, Walter Payton, Michael Jordan. I just had some really, you know, really pro sports in my family. We didn't have the college element really there until I got into playing college football before I really became a fan of college football and obviously fell in love with the sport, playing it, and then getting an opportunity to coach. No, absolutely. I also grew up, uh, I'm a Blackhawks fan too. Came in around the uh, Roanoke Chelios era. Oh man. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my aunt, she lived in Chicago when I was real like, young. She worked for the local Fox station there. So I, I followed, Michael Jordan, I idolized him. He's my favorite athlete ever. So I can tell you everything about those Bulls teams, but um, definitely love for the Blackhawks and the Cubs have, has never waned for me. So, You know, it's, it's interesting you say that because Phil Jackson really shaped a lot of my coaching philosophies. I've read a number of his books, and um, I really adhere to a lot of things he kind of believes about the team um, chop wood, carry, you know, uh, chop wood, carry water philosophy and just just how he's very much in tune with his players and finding what makes them tick and getting them uh, to get their best. And I think that's something for the greater good you've got to do. And that's a great thing about our sport is getting a group of guys to all commit to something bigger than themselves. And in a society and day and age where everything's about yourself, this sport's still about the team and us and we. And uh, I've always enjoyed that. And obviously Phil shaped a lot of kind of my coaching philosophies from a distance when, when I was especially first getting in the business. So really interesting. Fortunate I grew up in that town and um, really identify with him and love Joe Madden style, mixing humor and fun with it. But uh, they're really good at the basic fundamentals, all those coaches. So, and then Dick, uh, the, uh, the, you know, just his toughness and his just fire that he has. I love that as an old Irishman. Nah, absolutely. Yeah, football is one of those sports, man. Basketball, you can almost you could win a championship with like three to six players playing, like phenomenal to 
pretty good. But yeah. in football, you need like I'm gonna say like 35 dudes to be yeah, able to. A, yeah, um, you need a lot. The organization, um, you know, you've got to have the administration, which we've we're, we're really blessed here to have a great administration with Babcock, our president, Dr. Sands, Danny White, uh, John Boleyn, all everybody. The people here in this building are phenomenal, and you know, not everywhere is everybody pointing in the same direction. I've been at some other places that were really good and they're fighting stuff internally. You know, a great thing here is from the top of the administration all the way down through Coach Pryor's staff, everybody's rowing in the same direction, pointing the same way. And that and that really makes the job very um, more doable, you know, because there have been some places where the administration didn't have high goals and high expectations and provide the resources like they do here. So that's been awesome. Um, you know, and half the battle sometimes when I was a head coach was just getting everybody in the same direction um, and trying to do things the same way. So we're really fortunate here to have the folks here that are in our leadership roles. They do a tremendous job. Yeah, you've done a, a lot of coaching over your lifetime, but and you've taught a lot of kids a lot. But what would you say is one thing that the kids continuously teach you? To be a good listener. Um, sometimes they see things that you don't even see, like uh, you've got to have the, the pulse or the vibe of what they're about and what they're doing. And as as you coach, I, I continue to learn from the players. Um, a big part of this and even more so the more I've been in it is the, the psychology, um, the belief and just getting those guys to have confidence in themselves. I'm an enabler as a coach. I got to enable you to be in the best position to be successful. My job, I don't play. I might be good looking, I might be smart, and I might be funny, but I don't play anymore. But my job in all seriousness is to get those guys to understand it at the where they can play extremely fast, enable them and put them in the best position to have success. And hopefully along the way, help them become, you know, go from a young man to a grown man, where when they leave here, not only a great player, but they're ready to tackle the world whenever the NFL thing hands for them because it will. And uh, I take a lot of pride. I've coached hundreds and hundreds of guys and I've only had one player in my coaching career not graduate that I worked with. So I got a lot of pride in that um, guys taking care of their business um, and, and, you know, being better versions of themselves when they leave, but you got to listen to them. You got to be in tune with them because if you're tone deaf, you're, you're going to miss the mark on, on finding what, what gets them motivated, how they're the best teacher of best learners. Um, Cause everybody learns different. Everybody isn't the exact same. So you got to coach them all the same, but you got to coach all of them different. If that makes sense, you got to have standards for all of them, but you got to understand each one might be motivated a little differently. So just, I learned from them something and they keep the young man, their, their energy, their enthusiasm, man. I enjoy coming in here every day. I, I look forward every morning to getting in here and being around the guys when they're not here. It's like a mannequin factory. You don't feel right. There's nobody to interact with, talk with besides the coaches. You just miss having you the players here and working for something bigger than yourself and really enjoy that, that journey with the guys. Nah, absolutely. I understand. Yeah. Every player, everybody's different. So you can't, um, I'm in management and I can't talk to every employee of mine the same way. Cause it doesn't register the same way. So you yeah. have to really mold it on an individual basis, but I'm lucky enough to have a cohesive unit that, that does a very, very good job. So well, I'm blessed. <laughs> I, I, 
I'm a big Pete Carroll uh, follower. I, I thought Pete's done a tremendous job everywhere he's been. He's always got good football teams, and he's overly optimistic and overly positive. And I think in today's age, people relate to that a whole lot more than the, the negative train. I just, uh, you know, for me, I know I, as a player, I'd want to be around that. I'd want to play for somebody who coached that way. And so I've kind of always tried to embody and learn from guys like Pete. And Coach Pry's got a lot of the same characteristics of a Pete Carroll. A really great defensive coach, super knowledgeable, and just man, he, you walk in the room with him, and you're like, "Let's go, man. Where where are we going, bro?" You, if if he told me we're going to Alaska, I'm saying, "What kind of snowshoes do I need?" You know, and uh, which is really a great quality that he has. No, absolutely. Um, so musically, were we talking about Hall and Oates the other night? Was that with you? Yo, I love some Hall & Oates, man. B back in the day, with Dad on Saturdays would get out the car. We'd wash the car, wax the car. We'd have some Hall & Oates playing, some Southern Rock. He might have little Almond Brothers. But we would – my mom convinced I loved the Who because when she was seven months pregnant, they went to a Who concert. But, man, we'd crank Hall & Oates, Steely Dan. Man, that whole yacht rock genre, that's my cup of tea right now. I'm kind of on that kick. You know, I grew up in the Pearl Jam. My first concert was Guns N' Roses open up for Aerosmith. But I'm definitely, I've gotten at age now where I like that little, that soft rock. I enjoy, you know, I love Daryl Hall, John Oates, all those guys. I love that vibe that those guys have. It's just positive. And uh, little Sarah Smile, a rich girl, you name it, man. Those things get me in a good mood. No, absolutely. Uh I agree. Um, riding the Metro in D.C., sometimes they have people out there playing guitar or whatever and i remember one night i was on a date it was like december and we were coming off the metro and some dude was playing sarah smile on the guitar and it's one of my uh, that song is just amazing oh, all the notes man it's amazing. amazing big time hits they have they are unbelievable like if you listen to all their stuff they have hit after hit after hit after and everybody if you put hauling notes on a defensive staff room by the end of the uh, first bar of the verse the whole defensive staff's humming it. I mean, we're in there watching film, and they go to me, what do you want? I'm like, Yacht Rock, Hall and & Oates, and all of a sudden now, I'm looking over, Marv's bobbing his head, everybody's singing, even JC's over there singing some Yacht Rock. So. <laughs> yeah, I think every generation loves them. Them white boys were cold, man. <laughs> they got some sure? style, man, I enjoy. And uh, my, new, my new group now is Black Pumas. That's my big group right now. I'm a big Almond Brothers Black Keys. I'm into uh, North Mississippi All Stars. Um, I'm Devin Allman, and you know Coach Pry and I are big Allman brother fans, and he's got me on the JJ Gray kick too a little bit. I mean, just Tedeschi Trucks, man. There's there's some good music out there right now, and I enjoy putting on a little uh, Pandora when I get to the house, crank it up a little bit after after a day of practice and film, and and on the road when you're out recruiting, you got to go out and you got to have some good tunes in the car on the ride, so. No, you're always on the road, so that's definitely a necessity. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what, but who, like, who are some of your uh, artists you've grown to love that the kids have put you on, like your players? Uh, <laughs> years ago, I worked security. Um, I did Ice Cube, and this was a long time ago. I used to do concert security. So, Ice Cube, the guys that got me on, like, uh, I, I like, I, the, when I was at Savannah State, they got me on DMX for a little bit. Uh, and I like the Fugees. Um, trying to think who else I really like. You know, the players just give you some new songs. You know, my daughters are they're pretty hip, but I their music I could do without most of it. Now I've my oldest daughter's an old soul, and 
she's kind of come to around to listen to what I like to listen to. But, uh, you know, the guys have a lot of stuff that we listen to. I just like good beats. Um, I got a little rave in me, a little bit of the, you know, the electric stuff, the EMD stuff I kind of like on the side. Nobody really knows that until today, Dan. Thanks to you. But uh, breaking um, news, baby. <laughs> I enjoy a good uh, some good beats. I've, I've actually been following Shaq on his musical adventures. I I enjoy some of the stuff he does. So um, growing up in Chicago, just like having a lot of food tastes, a lot of different music. So um, but the players, man, they uh, they've got me on some different rap and some stuff. I mean, there's a couple things I, I you know, listen to Eminem when, when I'm getting ready. Um, one shot, you know, just some just some good opportunity knocks. There's just some good tunes I'm thinking of from Eight Mile right now. But uh, you know, I kind of listen to a lot of stuff. But you know, I definitely would say Southern rock and and uh, big hair band guy back in the day, and um, kind of like it all. I got you. Yeah, you keep speaking of food, though. I need your your top five Blacksburg spots that you're going to get some grub. I need the I need the science behind the decision coach okay. sean quinn well my new one now is hambro kitchen which is a great indian restaurant that just opened up right down the street from mellow mushroom great jasmine rice the rice is perfect but not get the cheesy naan bread and the chicken tiki marsala off the chain good like get it order it get it to go box um that's my new spot love it there i'm going to greens and i'm getting the uh, turkish lamb skewers um, they've got pretty good sushi deal on their sushi night, but definitely, um, go on there. I'm going to go to PK's and get the steak quesadilla. Um, that's going to make my list. Definitely. I'm going to 622 and getting the tri-tip steak over there. That's definitely a must. Frank. And then I'm probably going to stretch the limits of Blacksburg. I'm going to work my way over to, uh, Christiansburg, the farmhouse and get me a good ribeye um with all the fixings on it so that would probably be my top five right now i'm open for suggestions any new places i'm all i'm all about i i got the whole insomnia cookie thing i didn't really realize how good they were until i actually had some so i realized i've been missing out a lot on and i know that's a chain but uh they're pretty good pretty sporty but um you know i enjoy greens is kind of one that people don't know a lot um, and then I got to And then for breakfast, I'm going to Bolo's, um, folks over there. It's like the peanut gallery, a bunch of, uh, professors and retired professors. They're awesome. We have coffee when the days allowed when I'm in, when I'm in there, when I have time and uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, they've got great gluten-free pastries and desserts. And, uh, the, the young lady who owns the place is awesome. And just a great group of people there at Bolo's. So that's kind of my hiding spot there where I go get a coffee and right next to it is a new place. You got to get the shrimp tacos at the Berg, a really good spot, just kind of a hidden down the stairs there um, right next to Bolo's where they've got good tacos. I got you, man. Yeah. For breakfast, I'm going to Joe's. Typically I love Joe's diner. Love, love Joe's. And uh, uh, this is a Benny sponsored podcast. So I'm definitely going to hit my guys. Oh, yeah. Benny's. Ask late night. Just said late night. I met Banny's getting a slice of pizza, big time. <laughs> you know, I've been on a health kick here lately. I've been trying not to eat as much pizza because you know, being from Chicago, you kind of it's ingrained in you from day one to eat pizza. So, um, but I definitely will, uh, and they don't skimp on the size of the slice, the slice nope. at all, which I absolutely love. So, um, they win the slice deal for sure. And uh, yeah, 
farm the farmhouse the prime rib is is crazy uh oh, yep <laughs> and, I'll, and i'll give you a new one here that you got to try that's really good is uh university club food is excellent you know and then if you're and if you if you want breakfast and you don't go to joe's gillies is good i'm a big gillies fan that the people that own bolos on gillies it's one of my favorite spots and then the one i left i left two off there and, and so i gotta i can't five's probably not fair Slovakis, i gotta go down there and get a euro and then i guess yes. if you want probably your best steak in town is going to be at black hand so those would definitely be kind of there's there's kind of a perimeter right there i live right near mellow mushroom so i make i've kind of worked it in different directions but uh that's really a, a top seven if you want okay but uh really good but i do love joe's you go just go in there old school diner for breakfast that's that's where I go to Joe's after wins. That's my spot on Sunday mornings before I come in to watch film, go to church. You'll see me. I'll be at Joe's. Nice. Have you been to the Palisades out there a little bit? I have. Like, I enjoyed. Uh, it's different. It was. Uh, it was an adventure getting out there. Um, yeah. I, um, I really. I I don't know if I ordered the right thing for the entree, so I've got to make a return. I thought the appetizers were spot on. Really, really good. I got the fried green tomatoes. Um, but, um, I'm going to probably make another trip out there. I'm a big live music person and they had some music playing. So, um, I was really excited to get just even just a little, just a little country music and they were just out there and it was just nice to hear some music and get, it's a neat place. I mean, it's got a lot of history to it and just the, the atmosphere there is really neat. There used to be a place that closed It didn't, it didn't survive COVID, but it was called the home place. Okay. And it was like a farmhouse and you would go and it was family style. So like you would pick like a meat and a couple sides and they would just keep bringing it to your table until you like tapped out. Really? It was phenomenal. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was phenomenal. I also like the mountain Lake lodge. I'm a big eighties movie guy. Dirty dancing was filmed there. Yeah. Uh, I love that place. Yeah. I'm a mountain. I, yeah. I, I've been up there. I haven't been there to eat, but I've been there. So, yeah, food's not bad. This is fun stuff, man. We're hitting all the parameters here, man. I love it. That's <laughs> what we do, man. I'm trying to be well, well-rounded as possible. You are. You're like the the Dos Equis guy, the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> Something like that. Um, yeah, dude. Uh, obviously, let's see. What else is there? Lefties oh, isn't bad. Bowl of good. Pretty good. Yeah. No, lefties. Oh. I, lefties. I, I, you know, I, I feel like. I'm leaving some folks out. I like Bowling Bones, Lefties. I get over there to uh, that whole perimeter over there near McLean's and that. And I'll, there's some good little restaurants in there. And uh, love Ab I left Avellino's off. I, I, sh I should be admonished for that. So um, Avellino's is a great meal. That's that's if you want a nicer kind of upper end, fancier meal. Go in there and they've got some great dishes there. And the service is really good. I enjoy going to Avellino's. That's when I have family from out of town, that's the spot I'm generally taking. You know, the thing about 622, they got a jukebox. I'm a big jukebox guy, so I got to go in and control the jukebox um, with my Touch Tunes app. So go in there and good meal and listen to little tunes while I'm sitting there eating. Absolutely. So as the season nears, we're like two weeks away. It's like the worst two weeks of the year because it takes forever to get here. Uh, what can Pokey Nation expect? from your position group this season? Guys play hard, make some plays. You know, I don't want to put any 
um, parameters on it. I think I think it's an improved group. Um, it's a position, you know, I always joke, they uh, dress in a telephone booth and wear a cape. It's a position where they've got to make a lot of plays in space. And it's a really critical position in our defense where whether that's coverage, whether that's blitzing, whether that's tackling an open space, a lot of times they're playing against the most dynamic player on the other team's offense. So hopefully those guys make a lot of plays. Um, you're going to see some guys with good size, good range, athleticism. I'm excited about the group in general. Um, obviously, we got a million miles to go. I feel like I'm in an episode of Blues Brothers, a million miles to go and half a tank gas hit it. But uh, there's still a lot of work to be done. But uh, definitely a year into it, you can see some improvements. Keontae Jenkins has had a really good camp. Um, the linebackers, you know, Jaden Keller has done a really nice job. Kelly Lawson, Alan Tisdale. I mean, there's a the group just a year into it. And um, the Nichols, you know, we've, we had a number of guys working that position. They've done a nice job. Um, so just just seen improvement, man. I, you know, our fans, you know, hopefully that they make them proud, represent them the right way. We play extremely hard and we need to make some plays. We left some plays on the table last year a sack that or we may have changed the difference in the game or a tip ball that we didn't catch, you know, an interception, you know, seals a game where we're trying to, you know, run the clock out and get the turnover games over those type of things. Um, just, you know, the book, good to great, just going from being doing your job to excelling at it. And, uh, you know, we've had a good camp and uh, we got to keep building on that. So really excited, not only about the position, but just a, from a unit perspective, how much faster we're playing and uh, we obviously got to stay healthy and, got to make plays and we we've got it we consciously know we've got to create more turnovers we've got to stop the big plays and uh you know any great defense will tell you turnover margin on any team usually determines your wins and losses a, a majority of the time so um but coach Marv's done a great job getting us kind of fitting figuring out what this group does well and um so we've made some progress but we still got they say you guys ready to go I'm like nope we'll be ready when the game gets you but until then we got a lot of work to do no, I understand. Yeah, I'm definitely excited about the future of the linebacker room, especially that star position with the additions of Caleb Woodson and now moving uh, Antonio Cotman over from defensive back. So I'm excited to see what we do. I definitely feel like we're way more athletic and explosive and more youthful at every yes. position now. So, Yeah, the, Caleb's come in and been really mature and, and done a nice job. Antonio's very athletic. Uh, it's a good group of guys to work with. I'm really fortunate to be in that room. And, you know, Derek Canteen and the other group of guys at Nickel, they've done an awesome job. And uh, so just it's been a fun, fun bunch to work with. And, you know, obviously we got to do our talking on the field, prove ourselves out there. All the preseason stuff is just hype. We all know that because when the when that gun goes off and it's time to play and the race starts, all that goes out the window. So. We've got good football teams coming in here, and every week it'll be a challenge on the road and at home, and we'll take them one at a time. That's, you know, but between now and then, we still got a lot of work to get done. So excited would be all caps in my book, brother, but, um, you know, a lot of work still left to do. Absolutely, man. Well, I know you guys are busy with fall camp. You know, you got practice today. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on this platform talk to Hokie Nation have a conversation with me I appreciate all that you do as a recruiter a coach and as a person and I'm definitely rooting for our Hokies to succeed 
I appreciate you saying that, man. I'm, I would say one thing to anybody listening to this, the Hokie fans have been unbelievable, not only to us, our players, but, man, when we've had recruits come in on campus and come to games, they are just blown away by the love for Virginia Tech from our fans, the hospitality, the way people are on campus. And one of the quickest ways um, for us to get really good is obviously win on the recruiting trail. And when those guys feel the energy from our fans, from folks like you, Dan, and what you're about, and, you know, I've listened to a number of your interviews and, man, it just goes a long way. And so appreciate you and appreciate Hokie Nation and let's keep it. We're going to keep going. We're going to get this done together and uh, big things ahead for the Hokies and for, for us. Yes, sir. And we'll see you September 2nd at 8 p.m. when Sandman hits those speakers and we start jumping. We're ready to get rocking, my man. Excited. Can't wait, brother. I appreciate you. Go Hokies. And I'll see you soon, man. Next time at PK's. Yes, sir. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. <laughs>